Hello and welcome to this episode which is continuing our series on Germany in the first half of the 20th century. Uh, obviously before you listen to this one it's worthwhile listening to the other ones we've done after the effect of the First World War where we've talked about the hyperinflation crisis, we've talked about the Munich Putsch, we've talked about um, the violence on the streets and so the question is of course always was Weimar doomed from the start? Why did it not collapse in 1923? And the answer is two words, really. Mm. Why didn't it collapse? Gustav Stresemann. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Gustav Stresemann, which if, we've only just discovered how to pronounce yeah. properly after teaching it for 20 years. <laughs> um, so do you, do you want to tell us a bit about who Gustav Stresemann, Stresemann is? Yeah, so he'd, he'd been a member of, of Germany's parliament since 1907. And after Germany's defeat in the war, he felt that the only way Germany would be accepted by other European countries was to agree to things like the Treaty of Versailles. And as such, you know, he's, he's, he's a bit more of an internationalist. He's willing yeah. to, 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 to make deals and work with other countries to get Germany back on its feet. I think that's the key thing. He realises that the solution to Germany's problems in the 1920s is not at home no it's out they're in this mess because of what happened during the war and what was done to them afterwards yeah. the solution is getting yourselves readmitted back to the family of ordinary decent nations and getting trade building up again yeah and he you know it and the time where he does this i mean he's, he was chancellor briefly but the work that he does is he, he does it whilst he's germany's foreign minister from 1924 until his death yeah so everything that we're going to look at in this uh, episode is are things that he's done as foreign minister. Except not. for the very beginning. Because yeah, we yeah. Need, right, so yeah. if, we, if we do this in order then. Okay, yeah. So when Stresemann comes in, you've got the hyperinflation crisis. Mm. You should all remember what this is. This is, you know, money is worthless. It's wheelbarrows full of cash. It's bread costing millions and billions of marks. Billions, yeah. And the, the economy is completely in free fall and it's totally wrecked. Mm. The government of Ebert falls... And Stresemann, who is a right-wing nationalist, so that, that's worth saying, I think, that he has the support, yeah. which Ebert never had. It, that's going to become very obvious later yeah. on, isn't it? When we get to the end of this, when we look out, so how much, yeah. how far did he succeed? Big part of it is he has support of the, yeah. the business and the middle-class community, yeah. so it is a huge difference. Huge. So the, you walk through the door... You are Gustav Stresemann with your shiny bald head mm -hmm. and your piercing blue eyes. He's so pretty. And <laughs> your problem number one is how do you deal yeah. with hyperinflation? And, and it is surprisingly easy. It is. As well. So he just simply stops the old money being printed. They called it in, they, they were, they, it was all burned, it was destroyed. And they, they essentially reset the economy with a new currency called the Rentenmark. Mm. Um, and the Rentenmark, uh, it, it basically, it was stable. It was yeah. linked to gold standard as well. And what that meant was is that hyperinflation just stopped. Yeah. And then um, it was eventually replaced by the Reichsmark. Yeah. Um, so it, it, was, it, was a, it was a great solution. Very, it very is. simple. Unless... You're someone who had a lot of savings. Hmm. Now, this is this is worth remembering because this is going to feed into support for the Nazis later. Yeah. Because people who had their savings, they lost them totally. Yeah. And there was no way to get them back. They'd been totally devalued and they'd gone. Yeah. If, if you had property, you were fine. 
If you owned a business, you were fine. But if you had savings, like a good middle-class middle class. bourgeoisie, yeah. you've lost everything. And yeah. you blame the government. Yeah. You blame Weimar. And that's, yeah. And it's one of the, another part of the um, anti-democracy, the, yeah. the, the distrust of democracy that you see yeah. is like a, a constant undercurrent from certain sections in German society. Yeah. yeah. So he's fixed, he's fixed that. And then our hero then goes <laughs> off to further adventures as, as the foreign minister. Yeah. And uh, he's got, so in this role, he, he, his mainly uh, job is to get the economy back up and running. Yeah. Okay. And so we, we'll focus on that. And, and one of the, the big issues has been caused by the French and the Belgian invasion of the Ruhr, yeah. where they told the workers to go on strike. They, you know, it's it basically what led to the hyperinflation crisis. Yeah. Um, now, we know that he solved hyperinflation with the Renton mark, and they call off the passive resistance um, in the Ruhr as well. But he has to go to other countries to find a way of of getting German industry back on its feet. Yeah. And he goes to the Americans, to the yeah. USA. And under the Dawes plan, America lent Germany 800 million gold marks. Yeah. And that money was used to restart the economy, to invest in industry and infrastructure, but it was also used to help them re, um, restart the reparation payments, that the yeah. repayment schedule was was uh, jigged around a little bit to make it more manageable for Germany as well. Well, they take it down from 6.6 billion pounds down to about 1.8 billion, which is a much more manageable number and realistic as well. Yeah, and, you know, it, it... Later on, there was the Young Plan as well. Oh, the, the, young, was the so Young Plan. The Young Plan's 1929, yeah. and that reduces the payments still Even further. further. Uh, but, of course, that gets overtaken by events. Yeah. But uh, everybody always gets the Dawes Plan and the Young Plan mixed up. The way to remember it is the Young Plan is younger. Hmm. The Young Plan is 1929, whereas the Dawes Plan is yeah. 1924. Yeah. So, was it a success? Well, what, economically? Yeah. Well, considering the basket case that the German economy was in 1923, by the time he dies in 1929, it's it's healthy, except mm-hmm. except it's a mental image for you sitting at home listening to the podcast. I want you to picture a, a, a huge model of a country. Beautifully designed, made out of made out of gold and, and jewels and all the rest of it. I want you to imagine that flat model is now balanced yeah. on a, on a small pyramid. So it's on the slightest little little sort of like point, and that pyramid is made out of I don't know matchsticks or something. Yeah, and, and those matchsticks are the American loans because the German economy is going really well. Yeah, but it's all dependent on. Those American loans at the bedrock. Yeah. It was a high-risk strategy, yeah. and you know, with the benefit of hindsight, we can say, "Oh well, that was a bit of a silly mistake." Yeah, but he wasn't to know what was no. going to happen in 1929. Because, of course, in 1929, after Stresemann has died, mm-hmm. the Wall Street crash hits, and those German loans, are, uh, the American loans to Germany, are recalled. And that is what has the catastrophic effect on the German economy. Yeah. But again, you don't know that in 1924. No. So, you know, in, in summary, if we're looking at how far does Stresemann help the Weimar Republic to recover, well, in terms of, of the economy, it looked like it was going well. It was based on American loans. 
But, you know, for the time, at the time, it appeared to be quite successful. Let me throw a slightly different question at you then. Go on then. Would you say that it helps the economy recover Mm. or stabilise? Yeah, it it stabilises is a better word because it it, it doesn't recover. No. Um, it, It can't do it on its own. It's on life support. Yeah. That's what it is. Yeah. It's, it's, it's sitting in the, in the hospital on life support with a little machine that goes bing, bing, bing. <laughs> yeah. Um, so let's talk about foreign policy then. Mm. Because this is, he, he, has to, he has to get Germany back up on its feet and accepted as one of the big boys again. Yeah? Yeah. Uh, so how does he go about doing that? Well, so, I mean, don't forget that since the end of the First World War, Germany's been kind of shunned, if you like. Yeah. Um, it wasn't allowed to join the League of Nations. Yeah. Um, it's a it's a pariah. People don't want to really get involved with Germany at this point. But under Stresemann, he worked really hard to improve Germany's relationships with other nations. And there are some key dates and key moments in that. So yeah. in 1925, um, the Locarno Pact was signed. Uh, involving the British, the French, Belgium, and Italy, and amongst that, you know, they, it was partly non-aggression, but it was also um, an acceptance of the Western borders yeah. that and had that's, been imposed by the treaty. And that's the key thing because yeah. now it's Germany saying, "Yes, we agree. Yeah, we agree to this." They're entering into it at their own free will, and they're saying, "Yeah, yeah. we're 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 ready to play." Nicely with everybody yeah. else, we will agree with that. We won't do the other bits, and we will not go to war no. with anybody else. And that has. A knock-on effect for what happens next, because the yeah. following year, in 1926, Germany is allowed to join yeah. the uh, the League of Nations. Yeah, you know, and they've been banned from joining that. But under Stresemann, Germany's yeah. proved that it can be a trusted nation, yeah. and it's going to be sort of rehabilitated into the European yeah. family. And that, uh, and they get a say in everything that's going yeah. on. And yeah, and then of course, 1928, you've got the Kellogg-Briand Pact, which. Uh, as it sounds, is an agreement with the French. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and this is, again, that we will not go to war with each other. Yeah. It's that, it's that same thing. Yes, what happened in 1914 was a terrible mistake. We're not going to do it again. Uh, because why would we? Look at, look at the damage it did yeah. to us. Never mind anybody else. So, you know, it, it's in terms of how far was it a success that this sort of foreign policy rehabilitation <laughs> yes externally but internally yep. the locarno yeah. pact and the calabrian pact and all the other bits and pieces require you to accept that mm. the territorial land changes of the treaty of versailles were fair and a large proportion of the german mm. population are never going to go with that and so they're blaming yep. stresemann for agreeing to it. And this links, doesn't it, yeah. straight into what we were talking about with, with the economic yeah. success. There are people in Germany that are just not satisfied with that whatsoever. No. And it feeds in, again, to this undercurrent of anti-democracy, yeah. a distrust for the status quo, and a, a desire for a strong man. Yeah. For, Make for, Germany great yeah. again. You know, cause yeah. it, like you're saying, accepting the Treaty of Versailles was a huge humiliation yeah. for so many Germans. And for this government to then actually, with the Locarno Pact and other agreements, you know, so, saying, okay, we accept it. Yeah. It, it looks weak, doesn't it? it does. from a, From a right-wing nationalist perspective. For domestic, I mean, all politics is local. From an economic and international point of view, what Stresemann is doing is absolutely right. But from a 
from a domestic politics point of view, if he wasn't a right-wing nationalist politician who already had the support, mm. there's no way he'd have got away with no. this. If Ebert had tried no, to do this... No, I was this. just about to say, if, can you imagine if the socialists had tried yeah. to, 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 to do these? No. It, it just wouldn't have been accepted. No, no not a chance. Um, so, overall then, what about the uh, industry and mm. the economy? Yeah, so, you know, we, we, we've spoken a bit about solving hyperinflation and, and getting the the Ruhr back to work. And that, you know, this links into the German economy in general. You have to remember that after the war, the, the, the factories, the industry had been run down. There was unemployment, schools, housing, mm. hospitals had all been neglected. And so what's, what Stresemann does is he, is he uses some of the money that they've borrowed from the USA under the Doors plan to start rebuilding, building yeah. these new factories, building the infrastructure, the schools, the roads. And that has a knock-on effect because when you're building, you need more workers, yeah. you need the raw materials, you need to get those raw materials from somewhere. So it all stimulates um, uh, trade. Yeah. And, and and with this link with America as well, the, the Americans, some of their big companies are encouraged or you know allowed to set up shop yeah. in Ford, Germany as well. Um, yeah. And the, the razor people, uh, Gillette, Gillette. They, yeah. they, they put out, yeah. Um, so we can say that under Stresemann, Germany becomes more prosperous. Mm-hmm. It becomes a more successful nation. Because let's be honest, the Vi- Weimar Germany, 1919 to 23, is a failed state. It's a failed experiment. From 1924 to 1929, it is a successful, prosperous country. And people living in it are having a much better life. And in the next episode, we'll talk about the effect that has on culture. Uh, But, so here's the 64,000 Rentenmark question. Has it dealt with the structural problems that are there in Weimar Germany built yeah. by the Constitution. So the, the, the answer is no on this one because you know if we're going to we can divide this, can't we? we? Can say was he economically successful? Was he successful in terms of foreign policy? Um, one issue is this political domestic politics. Yeah. So you talk about the the structure of the of the Constitution, the way it works. So you've got so many political parties in Germany because, because of, of proportional, proportional representation. representation. Yeah. And no single party gets a majority and okay there's no other attempted rebellions against the government whilst he's in charge okay it's not like the cap putsch the munich putsch and so on but these extremists that they're still there and they still do have a voice no matter how small it is Mm -hmm. and really they're just they're quiet in this era rather than than going than have been got rid of but even even with the extremists still sitting there as well You've still got the fact that the actual government itself, because it's a, it has to be always a government of coalitions, mm. is slow and unresponsive, which is fine while Stresemann's got his hand on the tiller and everything's going along. But if a crisis comes, yeah. they cannot react. And we'll see that in 1929. Yeah, because it's that crisis which really, I suppose, answers our question. You know, yeah. did he recover? Weimar, or did he stabilise it? Yeah. it? And it, he just he stabilised it, didn't yeah. he? The recovery was so fragile yeah. that when that crash hit, all of the work that he'd put in 
yeah. it, it meant nothing. I mean, we, we've talked a couple of times before about counterfactuals. A counterfactual in history is where you say, what if? Mm. And here's the thing. Gustav Stressman dies just before the Wall Street crash. He has a stroke in the summer of 1929. What if he hadn't died? Mm. Would he have been able to steer Germany yeah. through those first couple of years and just keep a lid on it enough so that you never get that explosion in unemployment and support yeah. for the extremists like the National Socialists? It's, it's an interesting question. I mean, I, I would add to it and say, would anybody have been able to have kept mm. that fragile democracy going? in those circumstances. So do we think the structural problems mm. of the Weimar Constitution are so big that when you get a stress test, when you get a big enough knock, yeah. that even someone who is phenomenally competent, because let's be honest, yeah, he's, he's he's good. Yeah. At actual government and statesmanship, he's one of the best we've seen since Bismarck. Yeah, I'd, yeah, I'd agree. He's, he's, he is very, very competent. But uh, I, I do think personally that... The, the problem caused by the Wall Street crash. And it, when you tie that in with all the underlying resentment that there was yeah. from certain sections in German society... Because, of course, your farmers, your yeah. peasants, your middle class, that although the country's more prosperous, mm. they've not forgiven or forgotten no. what they lost it's, in 23. Yeah, it, 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 I mean, you, you can trace it back, can't you, to, yeah. to the defeat, to the First mm. World War. It, he, I'm going to say it again... What he what he provided was stability. Yeah, he didn't provide the solution no. in the long term. Is there a solution in the long term that doesn't require you going back and rewriting that constitution? Yeah, I don't know. I, and it's 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 one of those perfect storms, isn't it? Where you, you add in yeah. the problems with the constitution, the economic depression. Yeah. The unfairness yeah, of the yeah, Treaty, Treaty of Versailles, because it is. Yeah, it's a it's a combination of these events that. Yeah. I, I don't know. Bismarck himself wouldn't have been able to have dealt with it. Yes, he would. Yes, no. he would. He's Otto. No, he, he could have fixed it. He'd have he'd have <laughs> well, shot his gun into yeah. the ceiling. Yeah. He'd have had a beer <laughs> and he'd have sorted it out. He's Otto von Bismarck. He can do anything. Yeah. No, I know what you mean though. You're right. It it it's intractable. It mm. it, it yeah. So there you are. Uh, that's what Stresemann did. That's why you need to know about him. And that's why, ultimately, he wasn't able to save it. He's an ideal essay question. Yes. Perfect essay question. Yeah. How far did yeah. Germany recover under Gustav Stresemann? Yeah. So, yeah. Well, thank you very much for listening, and good luck with your exams. Uh, don't forget, the next episode will continue exactly straight on from this, where we talk about the changes in Weimar culture that come in this new prosperous milieu we find ourselves in. So thank you very much for listening. Good luck in your exams.